0: Okay, you ready to go? Yep. I hope I am. There's so much in this, this section here. We want to talk about some comforting insights into a word that's not used in Scripture. It's called the rapture. And this, uh, this concept of the rapture is going to open up a door to understanding something that has taken place in this man named Paul. Paul. And what you'll find as we go into uh, this passage of scripture and this teaching is that you will find Paul at his best, a superb thinker, a uh, one who can put together and understand what God is doing in the ages, much better than you and I can. So as we uh, as we get into this topic today about uh, eschatology and the end times, I just want you to remember that Paul is the one that God sent as a prophet to the church, much like the Old Testament prophets of uh, of Jeremiah and Amos and Habakkuk, as you'll see. But you'll see Paul not only explaining, teaching, and encouraging the believers in, in all the churches he went to, but you'll see him speaking a word of God. And those words spoken as a prophet are going to help the church Adapt to new ways of thinking, and you'll see that as we go through this today. That you'll hear, you'll hear my interest and my concern about how we approach Scripture. Before, for uh, I was talking <clears throat> this week to one of the uh, uh, family members, and he said, "You know, you have an ability to remember these things. I forget what I read, and I thought, you know." It's only by the work of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter who brings to mind these things, if you're in the Word of God. If you're not in the Word, you can't hear what the Spirit says. And therefore, when the child of God gets into the Word of God, the Spirit of God makes them into a man or a woman of God, and you'll see these things open up. But the Bible is the tool of the Holy Spirit. And so when Paul went to the Thessalonians, he would begin to explain some of these things. He says, and you received these things not as the word of man, but from the word of God. And so they received some of the teaching that we're gonna go through. And I hope you do as well. Pay attention to these things. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Thess uh, chapter 1. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave to us, and they, to, they tell us how you turn from God to idols to serve the living and true God, and get this to wait for His Son from heaven, from who he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. and Paul was instructing as we saw in verse chapter four, that he was instructing the believers how to live. And some of the instruction had to do with a new thinking about waiting on the coming of Christ. He said three things. You have repented. You've turned away from pagans that were futile and they're not serving you. And you've, you've shifted your focus away from that which was. But you turned to God the living and true God. Now that's what the Thessalonians came to know, that this Jesus was the singular living and true God. Not a man-made or cultural-made imagination. They met the true and living God. And you're going to wait from the sun from heaven. Notice he says... That with this son, the thing that it marked Jesus in the instruction of Paul, this one who was crucified, dead, and buried. And underline those things because we just kind of take them for granted. But what it says about this this one, uh, he rescues us. Now, notice the verb, he rescues us from present tense. It's pre- not rescued, he rescues constant, ongoing, perpetual, he's still doing this, but he's rescuing us from what? From the coming wrath. It means that the wrath of God is no longer going to be part of your story because of this one who came to rescue you and to continue to rescue you, not only from above, but also from below, from within, that you should be, Christian, set free from fear. You should have no, no depression about what's gonna happen when you die, that you can have assurance of salvation now. Well, how does he do that? Well, he, Paul says you have to know who this Jesus is. He is the anointed one, he is the one that God set up as the king, who is going. To, the prophets talked about him, he would be the son, he'd be the savior, he'd be the mediator between God and man, he is a high priest, a brother, a kinsman, a redeemer, all of this, brothers and sisters, as he would go on to say, we do not want you to be uninformed. To be flippant or ignorant or to be neglectful. Pay attention, Christian. Learn this thing, Christian. For for those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. We believe that. Underline that. We, plural, all of us. For we believe, and he ties this hope The ground of this hope is in the resurrection of Christ, you know, that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep. Now you're in Thessalonians. This is an issue for the Thessalonians. It came up for some reason, and he he continues in four, according to the Lord's word, This is the authority of Jesus, the risen Lord. According to his word, not mine, said Paul. According to his word, we tell you. We tell you. To communicate with your friends and neighbors, you can use the same authority that is not your word, but you're passing on what the Lord said. We tell you that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, we will not certainly precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. There it is again. Heaven breaking in, intruding, disrupting. Heaven coming down with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage, courage, empower, embolden, encourage, strengthen one another with these words. This is what the passage we've got before us. It's an interesting passage for lots of reasons. And I'm going to frustrate some of you. And you want to throw a shoe at me because I don't go in this enough, but we're talking about in this category of end times and what happens, and the confusion and the distortions, and it's easy to get off and all kinds of things, but I want to focus our attention on one thing here that Paul is dealing with, but we're talking about eschatology, and last week I mentioned that there were two horizons, but there's something happening just beyond what's going on in heaven and earth there's something else taking place not only geographically in the cosmos but it talks about two ages in terms of time and there's going to be talking about two realms and there's two kind of endings there's so many ways you can approach this thing that it's uh we're just going to touch on just a couple of them and want you to continue to to study on your own but i'm just going to limit it to three There are some preliminary perspectives that you need to have to understand what they understood. And I was thinking about this, Jerry. You're you're 2021. You're here in Chesterland, Ohio. How do you know what they did back then? I think I'm speaking for Paul. I'm speaking for the Holy Spirit. I thought, God help me, because I, I don't know everything here, but He does. But I'm just I'm telling you by the authority of the Scriptures and by what Paul has taught us and what I've learned through the study I would invite you to investigate these things for yourself and check me if I'm off and so I'm more than willing to learn because I'm not saying I've got this all down pat but I am saying there are things that I see here I thought I do understand that and that's what I want to pass on to you the three the three things are there are some preliminary perspectives things that you need to understand what the Back then, what the Jewish people were understanding, what Paul was telling the Thessalonians. And then two, this word parousia and the rapture. You may have heard that. Anybody not hear the rapture? Raise your hand. Didn't think so. It's kind of a common word to people. It's been uh, popularized by media and movies. But the third thing we want to get into is this phenomena. What takes place when you die? And we'll look at that, and so you can see automatically this has got lots of moving parts to it. So let me back up with some preliminary perspectives. First of all, we come out of a Jewish context in the Old Testament. And for you to understand what Paul is saying to the Thessalonians, we'll introduce an idea that Paul has adapted and expanded what the Old Testament uh, Jews understood. And so there's something developmental, something being opened up to us that the Old Testament saints did not comprehend. But it took a prophet like Paul, and it wouldn't be Peter. It wouldn't be John. It had to be Paul. And so he was a selected vessel to say, okay, Paul, teach the whole church. And what he said was this when it comes to the kingdom and the end times, the Jewish people only had one version of the Messiah coming. There was only one coming of the Messiah. Only one time. And when that Messiah would come in a linear fashion, when Jesus would come, the game's up. And and the kingdom would be established, the Messiah would come and reestablish the throne of David, fulfill the prophecies of Isaiah, and going back to Abraham and Adam, he would fulfill all the plan that God had for redemption. The Jews had one understanding of his coming, and they understood there'd be a resurrection. They understood that there would be a beam of judgment. They would understood that there'd be the wrath of God. They would understood that those who would be... uh, Unbelieving would be cast into a lake of fire. They understood that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a holy God, and therefore you better keep the law, you better believe in God, you better get into the covenant, better do something because this God you don't want to mess with. And the Jews would have and understanding, especially since they were destroyed in the Babylonian captivity. When they came out of that captivity being disciplined by the Lord, they said, Never again will we violate the law of God. And therefore, they became legalistic in order to prevent the same kind of destruction that happened in uh, uh, Jerusalem through Babylon. The biblical narrative, though, talks about two distinct ages. In the Old Testament, they would talk about the age of promise, the covenant, the testament, the Old Testament, and then the New Testament, the new covenant, the new promise. But before you get to the new, you had this Old Testament age where God was here, and then the new, when Christ the Messiah would come, there'd be the new age. This age of promise and the the age of promise-making and prophecy and then the age of promise fulfillment and realization. So they had this linear thinking that this is going to happen here, and so there'd be only one Messiah, and when he would come in, it would be the glorious return of Israel. Israel would be the center, Jerusalem would be the new Jerusalem, it would be, would be the symbol of the, the Lord's reign. It was political, it was cosmic. But they understood all of those things in the Old Testament passion. So if you put it on a line, it would look like this. From Adam and Abraham on all the way through to the end of the age. So the eschatology would be, that's how it's going to work according to the Old Testament. But what they could not see and, and could not know because God hadn't revealed this yet. In the Jewish eschatology, when the Messiah would come in, The hosannas wouldn't take place in the New Testament. The hosannas would take place at the end of time. And here's the contrast. What took place, as we understand, in the Christian view of eschatology is that the kingdom, the king broke into the present. And that king comes riding in a a way that totally... Disturbed and and destroyed their thinking that says, no, 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 the Messiah is going to come and he's going to bring about salvation first by being crucified, dead, and buried, and then raising this people up. But the fact that the kingdom would come would intrude and break open. This world in the present time, the the, the Jewish people couldn't see that he, he he can't be the Messiah. He was crucified on a tree as a criminal. For Pete's sake, he can't be. He he's not even part of the rabbinical club. He doesn't have the credentials. He's not one of us. He's he's not keeping the rituals. But you notice there, the old age and the new age came together. For us, as we understand now, that they had to adapt their preconceived ideas of the Messiah. When Jesus came on, he just obliterated their superficial, shallow, dead spirit for something that was alive in Christ. And so he would bring about healing, he'd bring about hope. And when he came into the world of the demons, the demons would shudder. And they'd say, what do you have to do with us? Have you come to destroy us? And the answer is yes. I'm coming to destroy that which is destroying you. And when Christ would come in, what you would find having to be learned and developed in the New Testament is that Christ would be introducing to us a whole new, not just a whole new realm, a whole new age, but a whole new realm that the Spirit of God is going to come in with the first advent. And with the baptism of John, saying this is the Lamb of God, that first coming of that advent, the Jews weren't expecting that. But when they begin to tie into the scriptures, they begin to think and relearn, huh, I didn't understand, I didn't know that, I didn't believe that Jesus would open up. And what he began to open up was the glory of heaven has come down. And that glory and the restoration of what I'm doing on earth in the present tense is to change you from the inside out so that my son would be reflected in your life and in your thinking and in your relationships. They didn't understand about the church. When Pentecost came down, they said that the Gentiles would get the Holy Spirit. And Joel would say, that I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit and men and women will, will be prophesying. They'll see things in a different way. But it was just the Gentiles, the nations, were going to be coming into, into view because the kingdom of God wasn't going to be limited to an Old Testament Jewish perspective. It was the kingdom of God for Pete's sake. Well, for heaven's sake, not Pete's. They didn't understand that the church age had the same mission as Israel had in the Old Testament, that Israel was to be a light to the nations, and the church is to be a light to the nations. And you would fault the Old Testament believers for not being faithful to go be a witness to the Jews. You would fault the church today for not being faithful to be a witness to the kingdom of God today. Which is worse? the Old Testament people who forgot God and went into captivity, or the New Testament church in Chesterland in 2020 who forget God and just passively let things go by silently. You don't understand. Paul is saying something, and I'm saying something to you that I want you to think about. It's this idea that the way we think about the end times is still too linear. What came to my mind the best to explain it is imagine if you're Mayfield and you're in a huddle and the score is 20 to 3. Arizona's ahead and you're in the first quarter. You're in the first quarter and all of a sudden Mayfield hears this voice from heaven and he says you are going to win this game and you're going to knock them off the Field, you're going to win this game by 109 points. Now get in there and do it. And Mayfield says, "I just heard." And he says, "You guys, we've already won the game. I know what the outcome is. We're going to play. We're going to play. And we're going to win this. I was thinking something else. We're going to play and we're going to see that vision realized." Somebody goes into surgery and the doctor says you don't have to worry about this. This will be healed. And with that same confidence the doctor walks in and says "Uh, you're going to make it. That idea that when you get good news coming into the present, it shifts everything in terms of how you're thinking about living in a fallen world. And so when we pray, thy kingdom come, you've got to hear this. You've got to hear this. It's not that the end is near. It is that the end is here. You have kingdom authority. You have kingdom privileges. You have kingdom salvation. The blessings of God are opened up. And Paul says, you've got to understand that this is what the Old Testament prophets taught. And I'm teaching you in a different way that you understand about death and dying. And Paul particularly would address the Thessalonians. Now, I don't know why. We don't know because the scriptures are silent here. Why was this an issue for the Thessalonians? But they understood that death was real. And the Jewish concept of death, when a person would die in the Old Testament, there would be a place for the dead, that for the unbelieving dead. And there'd be a place for the believing dead. But in the Old Testament, the words like Hades, Sheol, the grave, Gehenna, the fire pit, the Baden, the lake of fire, the second death, there was a place in hell, in Hades, at the place of death. When Jesus died, he went down on Friday, and he walked into Hades. Remember what the demons did When they saw Jesus on earth? Can you imagine what the demons did when Jesus Christ walked into Hades and says, I'll take those keys. Those are mine. For he is the Lord of Hades. He is the Lord of all the universe. Hades was created for his purposes. It all belongs to him. And so the demons shuddered. But when Jesus Christ died and rose again, coming out of Hades, he changed the whole cosmos and taking those who were dead and brought them into his very presence. And he said to the thief on the cross, this day you will be with me in paradise. No longer would they be going to the place of the dead in Hades. They would be going to be with Christ at death in paradise. We know that. So why is Paul teaching this to the Thessalonians? And when you get into it, you ask, were there martyrs? Were there, persecu- was there oppression? Surely there was oppression going on. If you were a Christian in Thessalonians, you would probably be fired from your job or couldn't get hired for a job because people didn't like you. They rejected you. They would punish you if you were to bring up the name of Christ. And so Paul instructed them, you're going to suffer you're going to grieve like Jesus suffered and I suffered. You won't get into the kingdom of God without suffering. We're living in a world that is fallen and they're not following the spirit of God. But somehow, Jesus, when Paul talked about Jesus, he said that this Christ and his kingdom is coming and when he comes, All of heaven's gonna be available to you. And when he comes again, he's gonna come with this voice of the archangel and the shout and the trumpet. And and it's gonna be glorious. And they got excited, except the Thessalonians were concerned about something. My dad died. My mom died. They won't be here when Jesus comes. Are they gonna get involved? Will Will they be included? What happens when people die? Paul would say, let me tell you. And Paul did tell him. He says in the same way, in the same way, in the same way. Four words. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way, through Jesus God will bring with him you. In the same way, Thessalonians All those who have fallen asleep. So the Thessalonians were concerned not so much about the blood moons and the end of times and the prophecies of Jerusalem, they were concerned about their loved ones. And so when you talk about eschatology at this point, there's something that Paul's saying. He says, When he comes, he's going to make those alive in Christ. Now, fast forward to our day, we think about this. We think, well, man, <clears throat> he's going to make the dead rise again. Paul left Thessalonia. He went to Athens. And from Athens, he wrote the Thessalonians. And then he went to Corinth. In Corinth, he taught the same thing to the Corinthians. And in the Corinthians, he said, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is coming again. And therefore, you are saints. You are qualified totally. He's fond of you. He loves you. And you guys are really a messed up church. But you're saints. Understand that you are called and sanctified, set apart by this one. And so he said to the, to the Corinthians, he's going to come again and he's going to get you too. Now, the Corinthians had a different issue. The Thessalonians were saying, well, how about those who are dead? Will, will they be included? And Paul says, yes, they will be included. But for the Corinthians, they had a different issue. They said, if, if we are dead and we're risen, no, wait a minute, Paul, we don't like this. Uh, he's going to raise our dead bodies? We know what dead bodies look like. Paul, how does this work? I don't understand. He's going to raise my dead body and my spirit goes. Now, the Greeks understood that you were spiritual. They didn't need the body because they had this immortal thinking. We're not immortal. We're mortals. Only God is immortal. But it says, Paul said to the Corinthians, you know you've got a point. I didn't explain that the body that you will have when you are in your grave, when Christ raises you up, your spirit will be raised, but not your body. And so he explains to the Corinthians, in a twinkling of an eye, when God calls, your spirit gets a new spiritual body. And he talks about that in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, When he comes again and he descends with a shout, he will make alive those who are asleep. And so, with that idea, whether you're dead or alive, everyone's body will be transformed in the twinkling of an eye, and you will get a spiritual body just like Christ had. When's that going to happen? And are we going to go through the suffering, the rapture? Well, the point about the rapture is this. It's going to happen. Some people say, well, is it before tribulation or during tribulation or after tribulation or there's no tribulation? Or somebody would say it's going to be before the wrath of God, before the millennium or after. It doesn't make a difference. The idea is that the kingdom of God is here and now and that your body is going to be transformed later, but... The kingdom of God is going to transform your spirit right now. And that's the kingdom coming in. We call it growth in Christ. So in 1 Corinthians 15, if you want to just go back and study today, there are five things that take place for the person who dies. We'll look at it next week. But the idea that something takes place in your spirit But that Holy Spirit is transforming your spirit now. And Paul would say that we're just a tent. And our outer man is decaying, but our inward man is being renewed day by day. Therefore, you won't be left out. You'll get a new body. Things are going to change because the kingdom is here and now. With that, he says, encourage one another. He didn't get into all the other things about eschatology. <clears throat> he was just answering the questions that they had And that's what happened to the Thessalonians To give them hope In the same way Christ was raised You too I will also We all calling upon the name of Christ Will endure And, and walk up So we don't have to be afraid Of what's coming up ahead Because we know the one Who is the Lord Let's pray Father thank you there's so much here. It's a privilege to participate with you in this and to know that it is well with our soul. That we may suffer the persecution or the things of being in a fallen world, we know it is well because you have raised us up in Him. Lord, take this word, help us develop it and understand it in a practical way because these are the things that we need to hear. It's just not that the kingdom is going to happen. It's it's already happened. And help us understand how you're transforming us now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.